Hi, everybody. We hope you're all staying healthy and happy during this time. As you know, we can't access our recording studio right now, but we wanted to try to put up another episode since it brings us joy and hopefully brings you all joy as well. So apologies for the poorer audio quality than usual. We are recording this over Zoom. We are going to do our best not to mention the coronavirus during the actual episode to give us all a little break from thinking about it. Uh, But I do just want to give a special shout out before we start to my friend Claire, who is an ICU nurse. And Ash, I haven't told you this yet, but Claire told me that after her shifts to decompress and de-stress before she goes to bed, she listens to our podcast. That's incredible. Isn't that awesome? Wow, that's great. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. So we are sending a lot of love to everyone on the front lines and everyone at home who is doing their part by social distancing. And Claire, this one's for you. Welcome to the Zucchini Warriors, a Gordon Corman podcast. We are your hosts, Asher. And Shira. And we are coming to you live from Zoom today. <laughs> it won't be live for them, but it's live to tape. It's live for us. It's live and for really us. that's that's what matters. That is what matters. I have a, a very important update. So as you may remember, in our last episode we put a poll in the field about <laughs> rainbows <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and our our great listeners uh, responded. And probably for the first time, or I think it's a rare occurrence that a Twitter poll receives a unanimous <laughs> response in one direction, and 100% of listeners said Roy G. Biv, and 0% of listeners said Roy G. Biv. What a disaster for me. <laughs> Just a really humbling experience. Will this change how you view rainbows, or how do you feel going forward? I don't think I can start saying Roy G. Biv, though, just because I've... <laughs> My entire life, I've thought Roy Gabiv, and usually I don't get all the colors listed correctly because it's such a terrible acronym. <laughs> I don't remember. I just thought that was the way it is, but yeah. I don't think I can change my ways. Right. Um, I will say, after the podcast aired, I walked into several different rooms, and the first thing people said to me that I didn't even know listened to the podcast, <laughs> they would just say Roy G. Biv to me. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah, I'm really getting it from all sides, but I guess I deserve it. <laughs> I did also get a lot of text messages that said Roy G. Biv, for sure, and things like <laughs> that. So I feel great. Yeah, I'm sure. But, um, you know, we all learn something here. Yeah, but otherwise, um, it's been a little while since we've recorded, so I'm very excited to a chat today with you, mm-hmm. and the book we'll be talking about today is The War with Mr. Wizzle. Uh, if you have a more recent version, you might see it as <laughs> The Wizzle War, and I see actually now that up on Netflix, at least in Canada, mm-hmm. is The Wizzle War, Bruno and Boots, uh, made-for-TV movie, is now up. I haven't watched it. Uh, I watched it a few years ago when I was living in America, and it was on American Netflix. Oh, nice. So no, I'll the, withhold my comments until maybe we, do, yeah. maybe we do a pod episode on the... Uh, yeah, on good the, idea. Yeah, so I think there's now three episodes up there on Canadian mm-hmm. Netflix, at least. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. So for the, those that sort of grew up with the book when it first came out, it's the war with Mr. Wizzle and that's how we know it as. And I can't <laughs> wait to talk about it. Here we go. Okay. Time for our first real segment, uh, Sydney Ramplotsky, which is when we provide a plot summary of the book. Sydney Ramplotsky forever with me. I really uh, liked that. I loved that. Thanks. Yeah, that was special what you just did. <laughs> um, all right. So we begin at the start of the school year and the guys are complaining about a new dress code that's been instituted that they have to wear jackets and ties. And they're nervous about Bruno's reaction. So Bruno hasn't arrived yet, and they're really worried about how he's going to respond to this news. And when they do tell him, he obviously freaks out. He says they can't let it stand, and they're going to set up a committee to get rid of the dress code. And let me yeah, just pause he assumes here. there's been... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, from the first time I ever read these books, and I read this part, I thought it was weird that a fancy private school like this wouldn't have uniforms or like at minimum already have a dress code that's true they're very progressive i guess <laughs> what were you gonna say um well now i don't remember so just pretend i never interrupted you. all right perfect no editing so we uh <laughs> we go to the uh, main office and mr sturgeon is complaining to his secretary mrs davis about a new computer the magnetronic 515 and that is where we meet Walter C. Wizzle, who has been hired by the board of directors to modernize McDonald Hall. And we find out it was him who implemented the new dress code. So we're already suspicious of this Wizzle character. Then we, uh, yeah. we cut to the dining room. Bruno is organizing his anti-dress code committee. And he convinces all of Ashy's favorite guys, Boots, Wilbur, Elmer, <laughs> Mark, Larry, Sidney, Chris... They all have to go with him to the fish's house that night to try to put a stop to the dress code before it even starts. A pretty bold move. Yeah, I love that right from the start, the crew has assembled and mm -hmm. they're going to cause some mischief. That is a great start. Yeah, we're not wasting any time here. Um, so they get to the fish's house and the fish says, no, we're not going to not have a dress code just because you guys <laughs> came to my house and said you didn't like it. Um, but he's... He's secretly um, heartened that the boys are going to put up some resistance to Wizzle because we already get the sense that Mr. Sturgeon doesn't like that Wizzle is here and, and is going to be changing things up. So the next morning, we get a really funny montage of the boys all getting dressed in their jackets and ties for the first time. Um, Sidney somehow ties one end of his tie to the light fixture in the ceiling. And when he pulls on his tie, the fixture crashes down on his head. <laughs> Impossible. How Impre would that Even for Sydney, that yeah. is a pretty impressive <laughs> level of clutziness. Uh, um, so the boys are all kind of miserable trying to eat breakfast in their ties, and there's a lot of really hilarious dialogue. Two of my favorite lines were, get out of here with those polka dots. I'm trying to eat. <laughs> and, you know, the thick end is supposed to hang lower than the thin end, but I suppose that doesn't apply to silver ties. <laughs> so good. This is like one of the classic... At like different lines without attribution to who's talking mm -hmm. that yeah. Corman is famous for. It's so funny. There's a bunch of them in this book that are really good. Yeah. Oh, it's Excellent so one. great. It's so great. And then, uh, so then they go to this assembly where Wizzle 
gives a speech about how he's going to help the hall modernize. And Bruno just starts to like boil in his seat over all these implied insults that Wizzle is making about the hall, that it's out of date and all of that. Um, eventually, Wizzle tells Bruno to stop talking and he gives him five demerit points. And then on their way out of the assembly, Sydney faints because he has a concussion from, <laughs> from the light fixture falling on his head, which is not a laughing matter. Concussions are serious, but it is funny in this book. Um, and Bruno tries to blame uh, tries to blame Sydney's concussion on the dress code. So Wizzle gives him two more demerits. <laughs> um, and then Wizzle sets up a uh, suggestion box. And Bruno's so mad about his seven demerits and like everything to do with Wizzle that he tries to spam the suggestion box with the note that says McDonald Hall lives in all capitals, which I am obsessed with. Love when they get to the all caps. McDonald Happens Hall a couple lives. times per book. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so good. Um, okay. I'll also say like Wizzle giving mostly Bruno demerits throughout the book is like a running sort of gag. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough for us to keep up with every time that happens, but just, assume that in every scene basically <laughs> that Wizzle and Bruno are interacting, Bruno's getting at least some demerits, which mm-hmm. is great. And then he says, so, Walter C. Wizzle. <laughs> the C stands for computer. <laughs> uh, so then the boys go over to Miss Scrimmage's to visit the girls, and they're also scared because they're told they're getting a new assistant who starts the next day. So they're all like, oh man, what a bad start to the year the boys are miserable already because of whistle the girls are maybe getting their version of whistle the next day kathy also suggests to them that the boys should do an underground newspaper to uh, voice their displeasure at whistle and try to get rid of them um so they think that's a great idea and then when they get back to mcdonald hall like late at night whistle catches them that um they're still awake so he gives more demerits so now Bruno has more than 10, and for every 10 demerits you get, you get assigned lines to write. So because Bruno has 10, Wizzle assigns him 200 lines, um, something about obeying the full rules at McDonald Hall. I forget the exact line, but mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so the next morning when Bruno goes into, uh, or when Wizzle tells him about that punishment, the fish uh, overhears this happening and he asks Wizzle, like, how are you assigning lines? Because that's not very modern of you. <laughs> and Wizzle says it limits the potential for psychic growth. So it's a true punishment. Does uh, it which make any sense? <laughs> no, it doesn't really make any sense, but it's, it's fair enough, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so Bruno's obviously pretty mad. Uh, and he starts telling the guys about the newspaper and he wants articles from all of them. And then meanwhile, the, at scrimmages, the, they have an assembly where Miss Peabody is introduced. She's a former drill sergeant. <laughs> and so Kathy doesn't think much of it. And it's just like snickering in her seat. And like the first time she makes any noise, Peabody's honor tells her to stand up and assigns her laps. And, we find out that they have an 800 meter track, mm-hmm. which uh, sounds pretty rare to have, but I guess that's fine. Especially at a finishing school, but I do like that they have it. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem out of character. Yeah, it's it's odd. I'm just trying to picture how it would look, but I guess this exists, so. It's a really fine. big, a really um, big track. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, 
So Miss Peabody's no joke, basically, mm. is the lesson we're learning there. Back to the hall, Bruno and Boots are reading through the articles that the guy submitted. And it's like painfully obvious who wrote each one because <laughs> it's like based on their personality uh, quirks. So there's some pretty funny ones. Um, Can I say my, my favorite? Fav- oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We're going to keep interrupting each other in weird ways because the Zoom <laughs> is not <laughs> the best. But so my okay, You favorite- say your favorite and okay. then I'll say mine. Perfect, perfect. So there's a crossword entry. Oh, that's mine. Is that yours? Yes. <laughs> Six-letter word for dumb guy who just arrived at McDonald's. What is the rest of the crossword? <laughs> it's going to be hard yeah, to have they've... two Zs. Anyways, that was yours? Yeah, that was mine. Oh, it's so, it makes me laugh so much the way it's phrased. Dumb guy. Dumb like, guy who just arrived. Really funny. Ugh. Anyway, um, so, yeah, it seems like a lot of the articles are kind of nonsense, but they have enough stuff in there to uh, get a paper put together. Uh, Meanwhile, at the fish's home, Mrs. Sturgeon tells the fish that Wizzle's coming over for dinner, and then the fish asks what they're having, and then Mrs. Sturgeon says he's a a vegetarian, Wizzle's a vegetarian, so they're having a nice fruit salad, which is crazy to me. Because that's still just like a fruit salad is dessert. Whether he's a vegetarian or not, he's still like allowed to eat actual like main courses. So that always like throughout the years has always stuck with me. It just bugs me so much. It's like Corman had never met a vegetarian. Like he'd only heard about them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, all they eat is fruit salad. So So Sturgeon is like rightfully confused and like pretty upset because he. It's like just doesn't get dinner. And he's also like kind of allergic to fruit. Well, he gets heartburn from it, we find out. Yeah, uh-huh. Anyway, Miss Peabody is also at that dinner and she, her and Wizzle are like clashing right from the start about proper education methods because she's all about discipline and like, you know, it's punishing students with laps and things like that. And Wizzle has like different methods and like likes to use his computer to assess students and like have them take like personality tests and things like that yeah um so now it's time to uh distribute the newspapers Uh, but before they can do it wizzle conducts a surprise dorm inspection which is another one of his innovations and bruno and boots have all the newspapers in their room so they dump them out the window uh, for the inspection but then the wind catches them and spreads them all over campus um, so then Wizzle is furious about the contents of the newspaper, which is basically just all of it is just slamming him. And he shuts down the school's press and revokes everyone's off-campus privileges. And he gives people demerits just for holding a copy. And so everyone besides Bruno is really worried that they're just like stirring up too much trouble. Um, and they don't want to do anything else. So they tell him, they tell Bruno that they're quitting the committee to get rid of Wizzle. Interrupt for one second. Yeah. I just want to say one of my favorite lines of the book uh, when Mr. Surgeon's telling his wife about how Wizzle's giving all these demerits to everyone, even someone like Elmer, who's uh-huh. such a good student. And then he said, his wife says something like, he's just trying to fit in. And then Surgeon says, he would fit nicely into the furnace. Is <laughs> such a great line. Surgeon's got some real good singers in this book. And that's one of them. Uh, that is really good. Uh. All right, so um, so the boys quit quit the committee, and Bruno's really hurt and angry, uh, especially at Boots, that Boots would abandon him and also abandon the hall as he sees it. So uh, Bruno 
divides their room with masking tape down the middle, and he warns Boots not to cross onto his side, and then basically ignores him after that point. So we've never seen this before, right? Bruno and Boots falling out. Pretty alarming. Dark um, times. Yeah, tough times. So meanwhile, at scrimmages, Kathy is leading various uh, hilarious resistance efforts against Miss Peabody, one of which is the girls barricading Miss Peabody in her room with furniture and then pulling the fire alarm <laughs> in the middle of the night, which seems to be just their go-to. They're not sure what to do. They just pull the fire <laughs> yeah. alarm in the middle of the night. Um, this wakes up people at the hall. There's some commotion. But Peabody breaks through her door using jujitsu. Not 100% clear how that would work. Anyways, she stops everything, gives the whole school uh, laps for doing that. I mean, I was going to bring this up later, but just generally, each of Kathy's various ideas of well, resistance efforts, as they call them, against Peabody, don't make any sense to me at all. Like, what was They're meant to be accomplished? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Considering she's usually got, like, better ideas than anyone. Right, exactly. Her, her ideas compared to Bruno's ideas are, like, way worse in this book. Right. Yeah. She's sort of, I don't know if she's off her game or she's just really desperate or what's going on, but, like, I don't yeah. understand. Anyway. Well, she's very tired from running uh, so many laps true. on an 800-meter track. That's true. That's true. She's putting in a lot of kilometers. But that yeah. would also give you time to think. That's true. I don't know. Anyway, so Elmer um, goes to Bruno after Wizzle confiscates all of his experiments uh, in, I guess, what was another surprise dorm inspection. And Elmer says he is rejoining the committee because he has to get rid of Wizzle. The only thing Wizzle didn't take from Elmer was a machine that generates low frequencies and can therefore simulate an earthquake and be operated remotely. <laughs> Did I explain that correctly? <laughs> I think so. It's slightly less complicated than the uh, broadcasting machine yeah. from Go Jump in the Pool, but not that much less only, complicated. Yeah, only slightly. <laughs> um, so Bruno decides to put that machine in Wizzle's basement, and they're going to keep the remote so that they can basically simulate earthquakes for Wizzle just to kind of mess with him. Or sorry, from Beware the Fish, not from Go Jump in the Pool, I think I said. Oh, Don't want our true. fans writing in and yelling at me. So. That's true. Well, fans feel free, but he, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he did save himself. Okay. Um, okay, so this is another thing. So the girls come over to ask for suggestions about what to do about Peabody, and Bruno suggests they have a cry-in, where they just cry a lot. Again, <laughs> what, what will that do? Anyway, so the next day, Wizzle is sitting in on Bruno and Elmer's geography class, and Elmer gives an impromptu presentation on the Great Lakes St. Lawrence Lowlands Fault Line. And a hairline offshoot that Elmer says runs right under Wizzle's cottage, which, of course, he made up. Uh, but Wizzle believes it, and he freaks out because he's been feeling these tremors, and he didn't know what they were. Um, but meanwhile, the girls stage their crying. It doesn't work. Peabody just waits them out and gives the whole school 10 laps. But she also tells them she's splitting the school up into four squadrons for a parade competition. So the girls are going to learn how to march. And the best squadron wins an overnight trip away from school with Miss Scrimmage. Yeah, and I'll also just add that Wizzle tells the fish about um, like the lowlands fault. Oh yeah, and the fish kind of mocks him, and that's kind of a recurring theme: is that the Wizzle Wizzle is like complaining to the fish throughout the book about these things that are happening to him, and the fish, who like doesn't like Wizzle at all, is like constantly making fun of him, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, so now there's like a 
really good. I think my favorite part of the book is mm. uh, sort of like a extended montage where different boys are rejoining the committee for various reasons. So Wizzle talks to Wilbur and he says that Wilbur's last name, Hackenschleimer, is too long to fit into the computer. <laughs> um, so he wants to shorten it to Hacken, oh, which I think is so, so funny. So funny. It's, so a, it's funny. really good. And he just um, starts calling him Hacken. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Um, so Wilbur rejoins the committee from that, and they show him the earthquake machine, uh, and it kind of explain it. Chris wants to rejoin because Wizzle took away his art supplies and enrolled him in a bunch of science and math classes to make him more well-rounded. Nightmare. Yeah, can't, that's that's a rough one. Sydney. <laughs> Um, gets signed up for ballet classes and scrimmages by Wizzle to like teach him how to be less clumsy. Uh, uh, Pete joins Wizzle because Pete is like the dumb one, and so his <laughs> when they do the personality tests, uh, Pete is like really struggling, even though there's no right answers or anything like that. But then Wizzle's like kind of perturbed by Pete's responses and like wants him to do more tests so pete is scared that he has to do more tests so he wants to join the committee um the pete whistle exchange is really good because whistle thinks he's like pete's messing with him to be a jerk but pete like it's just dumb <laughs> which is really funny uh then they show sydney at the at the ballet lesson in uh, scrimmage's gym and he basically destroys the entire gym in like a pretty hilarious sequence and then they're when the fish finds out and he's told there's $600 damage, that seems incredibly low considering yeah. the damage that's described. He like pulls down every apparatus and piece of equipment and destroys it. So I think he got off pretty easy if it's only 600 bucks. Uh, anyway, then Mark wants to join the committee because Wizzle um, removes him from being newspaper editor and makes Pete editor instead because he thinks Pete needs it more than Mark. Uh, in... One of my favorite uh, ones, Larry joins the committee, even though he's perfectly content. He says he just likes joining committees, which <laughs> is really funny. I like to think that Corman just like did that because it's funny and not because he ran out of ideas for why Larry would want to join. Yeah, but Larry, anything really anything Larry does, you're a fan of. Let's just be yeah. honest. <laughs> Love Larry. <laughs> Uh, it's the best. Okay. And then, so basically all the boys except for boots are now back in the committee. Um, meanwhile, Kathy is training her squadron like overtime because she wants to win to get away from Peabody for that overnight trip. So she's working really hard on their routine. Um, Sturgeon sees Wizzle in his underwear because he's like burst out of the house in the middle of the night because of all the earthquakes. Bruno announces a recruitment campaign to get 90 guys in the committee, set up subcommittees, etc. Says they'll all meet in the woods. Um, flashback to scrimmages, and Kathy's group is performing, and they're doing really good with their marching routine. And then Kathy's pole gets stuck in the ground, and they all like fall on each other and ruin everything. But Peabody's kind of impressed because she can see that Kathy did work hard. So she, when she assigns Kathy punishment, she's like a lot nicer about it. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, Wizzle is complaining to the fish about Bruno and Boots is standing outside the office. So he overhears. Wizzle wants him to be expelled because of all the trouble he's causing. 
and all the demerits he's racking up. The fish tells him no. Uh, Boots decides to join the committee because it'll help him keep an eye on Bruno. Love that. So, Br- so Bruno's like very happy, immediately removes the tape in the room and they're best friends again. Uh, the first like committee meeting is held. There's another really good series of voices thing mm, there. Yeah. And so the first real plan the committee sets up is Operation Shut Up, which involves them stealing all of Wizzle's computer paper so that he can't work on his computer. I love which, Operation Shut Up. Yeah, really smart. I guess like back then you needed computer paper to like do any work on computers. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> 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 I didn't really get it, but it was a different time. So I'll, I'll assume it makes sense, I guess. He needs readouts. He needs readouts real bad. And yeah. he like has to pay like press page like to bring up a sheet of paper. Yeah. On his printer, I guess. I don't it's know. It's very confusing. <laughs> I don't think like the Corman probably didn't like have that much access to computers, maybe. Cause they were like pretty rare back when he wrote it, I guess. No idea. But anyway, so the boys are replacing all the toilet all the computer paper with toilet paper instead. So Wizzle's like trying to get the paper from this company and so they figure out like various ways to make the switch one way is a truck comes to deliver it and bruno boots and wilbur go meet the guy and they sign for it and they actually sign for it c gavin gunhold i know i think it's a typo in our version on the wikipedia page it says it's just a typo uh, okay oh you did research but, yeah but, oh, I've looked this up a few times. <laughs> <laughs> but it is possible that he did write Steve Gavin Gunhold because then on the phone, the guy, um, the delivery guy talking to Wizzle says, like, I see here it says G Gavin Gunhold. But maybe the C just looked like a G or something when he was reading it. Yeah, but why would the then boys then change it to G Gavin Gunhold? Maybe then they heard Wizzle like, yeah. say it and like, we better just go with it. Yeah. I don't know. It's also crazy that the student like goes by a first initial. It's such a powerful <laughs> move. I think that's what adds it's, to his mystique. Yeah, I really like it a lot. Anyway, yeah. so Norm, for the rest of the book, it's G. Gavin Gunhold. So we'll assume the C is just a typo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day, Mark stops another truck with more computer paper with his broken bike. And while the guy's helping Mark fix the bike, uh, the boys sneak off with computer paper, replace it with toilet paper. So Wizzle just keeps getting toilet paper instead of computer paper. So at scrimmages, uh, Peabody organizes war games for the girls in which um, two squadrons face off against the two other squadrons in a battle in the orchard with colored water. And the winner gets a weekend away with Miss Scrimmage, so a bigger prize this time. Can I just say that... Although, like, everything Peabody does sounds really terrible, this sounds, like, so much fun. So fun. I even think, like, the parade thing could also be kind of fun. Maybe. But, but this, this just sounds yeah, like this is the gross. best thing you could ever do. Yeah, at school? Are you kidding? Um, yeah. I mean, we can discuss that later, but I don't think Peabody's that bad. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> Bruno organizes uh, the committee into various sub-departments, so it becomes a very sort of well-oiled machine that he's running. There's a lines writing department, where it's just like a bunch of guys who just like churn out all these lines uh, for other committee members. Um, it would suck to be in that department. 
Oh, by the so way. bad. Yeah, I don't know who gets who gets stuck. Probably a lot of like grade seven. All the freshmen. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, then there's security that helps the boys hide computer paper during a surprise inspection, for instance. That's led by uh, Wilbur Hacken. And then uh, Bruno puts Chris and Elmer in charge of like a long-term project in which they're going to make a helium balloon that looks like Wizzle. And I 100% do not understand the point of this. They like already made it clear with the <laughs> newspaper that they don't like him. It's like, what is this balloon meant to do? Yeah, just like a big picture of Wizzle looking dumb, I guess. Yeah. For all to see. There's, it's, yeah, it's not really clear, but I like that they have a project that <laughs> it's not like immediate benefits. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so meanwhile, while all that's happening, the war games get underway at Miss Scrimmage's during a rainstorm, again, adding to the fun of this, and um, Wizzle decides to pay Peabody a visit uh, and he kind of accidentally wanders into the middle of the war games and gets just like absolutely clobbered by both sides. Eventually, uh, Kathy leads her team to victory, but again, she ruins it by shooting Miss Peabody in the face, pretending that she thought Peabody was an opponent, uh, but really just wanted to kind of get even with Peabody. Um, so they don't get to go on the trip again <laughs> because of Kathy. <laughs> Wizzle decides that the boys should be doing um, morning calisthenics. I really can't say that word. Is that how you say it? Calisthenics? Yeah, well said. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, Peabody's basically been like making a lot of jabs that Wizzle and the boys are really soft and like the girls are up every morning doing exercises and stuff. Um, so Wizzle decides the boys are going to do it also. And the boys catch wind of the plan and they decide to try and sabotage it by making like a ton of requests of exercises that'll therefore exhaust Wizzle and make him regret his decision. The, the worst idea they've ever had. <laughs> like it does work. It does work because they only have to do morning calisthenics once, but they also are like super exhausted for days afterwards. It, yeah. How are they in good shape enough to like, they complete everything they've said, which is an insane amount of additional <laughs> things. And they're like, so happy about it. I understand they were like pretending, but it's yeah. very impressive that they could pull that off. You know, they're young and they have, um, I guess they hate Wizzle so much that they're just like really motivated. Yeah. Fueled by hatred. Fueled by hatred. Exactly. Um, so now the boys end Operation Shut Up by returning all of the computer paper. And so Wizzle's office is just like overflowing with all the paper he ordered which is also really funny. I think a really nice end to Operation Shut Up. And now their yeah. next scheme is that they invent this student named G. Gavin Gunhold, and they fill the school newspaper with stories about him. And the idea is that Wizzle's going to be just driven nuts by not knowing and not being able to find uh, McDonald Hall's best student. And um, it does drive him nuts because Gunhold is meant to be getting this award. Wizzle gets this letter inviting Gunholm to this award ceremony. Wizzle can't find him. Um, so Wizzle eventually goes to Surgeon saying, like, he just can't find where this G. Gavin Gunhold kid is, and it's really urgent that he finds him. So Sturgeon breaks the news to Wizzle that Gunhold doesn't actually exist, that the boys made him up. And Wizzle's obviously furious. 
but Sturgeon gives him some some nice advice, and they have a nice little moment here. The Sturgeon says, "You have to just take this joke on the chin. Don't overreact. It was just a prank, and the boys will respect you more if you just like show that, like, yeah, they did get the better of you, and and you're not going to overreact." Yeah, I'll also just add that the reason Wizzle is confident he exists is because they mm. uh, the boys programmed into the Magnetronic Five Fifteen. G Gavin Gunhold's like student record so that he like wouldn't ask teachers because he trusts his computer more and he sees it there. Yeah, that's right. And actually the profile they make for Gunhold is really funny and includes that he has a perfect dental record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. And then um then the fish calls Bruno and Boots into his office and he says dramatically, G Gavin Gunhold is dead. And tells them, basically, to cut it out with the gun hold stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, I just wanted to mention another one of my favorite lines. Mm-hmm. Um, when, at the lines committee, Mark is sort of in charge of the lines committee. Um, and so Bruno's, like, there, like, every day because he keeps getting more demerits. Yeah. And Mark is like, just gets like progressively sadder as the book goes. <laughs> Bruno like giving them so many lines because the amount of lines goes up the more demerits you have. Right. So Mark says to him, "We're not wizards, you know. They all had tears in their eyes when I handed out your four hundred and fifty. <laughs> I do Makes love me that laugh line so much. Yeah, I do yeah. love that line also. <laughs> they had tears in their eyes. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, so meanwhile at scrimmages, Miss Peabody's arranging for a twenty-five mile march which I don't know exactly how many kilometers that is, but I know it's very An far. insane amount. <laughs> An yeah, insane that amount. is the longest march. And I think they have to like march with like, some sort of some equipment on them as well. Right. It just sounds like something that is not like 12-year-old kids should not be doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kathy and Diane plan for all the girls to run away from school in protest. So... They obviously go to McDonald Hall because who would think to look for them there? Right. <laughs> and <laughs> so Peabody figures it out like very quickly. And but something important happens during this mm. because Kathy and Diane are with Bruno and Boots in their room. And they see Peabody and Wizzle standing together, like yelling for the girls to for all the girls to leave McDonald Hall. And Kathy makes an offhand comment about how they should get married so they don't ruin both schools. And so they decide to form a coalition instead of the committee. It's now a coalition because it's two schools working together. Um, so keep that in mind. <laughs> and then, meanwhile, the fish talks to Bruno and Boots again. Uh, he tells them that they, he's like started to hear this buzzword around campus called the committee, tells them to disband it. Um, but... Bruno and Boots are thinking, oh, that's fine, because now we have a coalition, not a committee. So sneaky. They're not not too worried about it. Uh, So their basically sole purpose is to plan for ways for Wizzle and Peabody to fall in love. Um, So as Bruno and Boots are leaving uh, Kathy and Diane's room one, one day, Peabody catches them, assigns them all laps. Fish and Mrs. Sturgeon are driving home, as they often are. He's that Bruno and Boots running on the track. Um, so fish, the fish confronts Miss Peabody and they're fighting a little bit. And so now the fish is like super mad because he's like really involved now. Uh, he tells Bruno and Boots they're super close to being suspended. So just like stop causing trouble. 
and he's clearly like madder than he has been earlier in the book. Like this is mm-hmm. really he's had enough. Yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, the boys start pl- thinking of ways to uh, make Wizzle fall in love with Peabody, and so they talk, start talking like to each other around campus when they know Wizzle can overhear them about how like beautiful they think Miss Peabody is and how she's in love with Mr. Wizzle, so they're sad about that. Meanwhile, the girls are doing the same thing, but the other way around on their campus. Meanwhile, Coach Flynn finds the balloon project that Elmer and Chris have been working on because they've been leaving it in the uh, storage room of the gym. And it says Wizzle on it, so Coach Flynn assumes it's Wizzle's. So he puts it in the uh, in Wizzle's cottage. Yeah, I also like that Coach Flynn was trying to find wickets for Manchurian toe ball because... <laughs> Uh, something from Manchuria also comes up in the next book. So interesting that Gordon Corman has a fascination with uh, Manchuria. I think he just thinks it sounds funny. He's not wrong. It's, yeah. it's a good word. <laughs> um, I looked up. It's a region in uh, China, I believe. Oh, cool. Uh, Northeast China, I think it said. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, so Chris and Elmer realize the balloon is gone. They run to Bruno. They say... The balloon's gone. They're freaking out. And Elmer says if it's roughly handled, it could actually inflate by accident, even though it's not complete. Well, I don't know about that. But <laughs> if Elmer says it, I mean, it must be true. Yeah, who are you to question Elmer Drinsdale? Yeah. The school Oh, who? yeah. Like, I, no, I believe him for sure. Oh, I'm okay. just not sure if in reality that would be true. Ah, all right. Um, meanwhile, Miss Scrimmage is telling Miss Peabody that the girls all love Mr. Wizzle, and it's clear that Mr. Wizzle loves Miss Peabody. And Miss Peabody is dismissing it, though. But Wizzle is like starting to get into his head that <laughs> he does love Peabody <laughs> because of like everything he hears. And so he starts calling Miss Peabody, starts coming over for tea and things like that. He really does start falling for her. Then Bruno Boots, Kathy, and Diane decide to send flowers on Wizzle's behalf. For to Peabody, but when she thanks him for the flowers, Wizzle thinks he knows he didn't send it, so he thinks someone else sent them. So he decides to like get her more presents, start working out, that sort of thing, to like compete with this fictional suitor. And I really like when he's trying to think who it could be. Um, he's like, could be Coach Flynn, could it be Sturgeon? No, not Sturgeon. He's married and like too old. And then he says, fudge? No, not fudge. And doesn't give a reason. <laughs> just like, this is fudge, which is really funny. Uh, I like that a lot. Fudge is the house master for Dormitory 3. Uh, and I don't know. I really like that he just doesn't think fudge is a possible rival for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, then the coalition's big idea to move things along is to organize a fancy dinner date at Wilbur's uncle's famous restaurant. Manny's. Uh, so they, four of them sneak away to, uh, to the restaurant where Wizzle and Peabody are having dinner. So the one thing I wanted to ask you, cause it was a bit confusing for me is when they're first, the, the kids are first talking to Manfred, uh, like the owner of the restaurant, Wilbur's uncle. Um, he, Manfred tells them that the bottle of wine, it, they always serve a complimentary bottle of wine with their private dinners. But then later he asks the kids, is this one also going to be complimentary? 
And Bruno looks at his wallet and mm-hmm. sees like he doesn't have much money left and says no. Mm-hmm. So I was just confused. Like, yeah. I, do you think he's I just saying like, because they're facilitating it, do you want to pay for this bottle of wine? And we'll say it's also complimentary. But right. I understand like it's tell, not clear. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause he tells them the first one is free and he's just telling the kids that. Yeah. No, I think the first one is free. But then the second one, he's like offering them the opportunity to pay for it so that they can say it's also complimentary. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah. It is a bit confusing. It is a little confusing. But anyway, um, so Wizzle and Peabody are getting super drunk on champagne that Bruno Boots, Kathy, Diane have provided for them. And they're like really, really drink too much to the point where um the the kids like put them in a cab and they don't remember anything from the night because they were so drunk mm-hmm. and so the next day the kids are just talking to them as if they got engaged <laughs> which is real <laughs> sneaky and since they don't remember then they just kind of are assuming that was all proposed um which is amazing so then they kind of just go with it and wedding fever hits the hall and they just lots of planning going on for the next few days. Yeah. And they asked to be uh Wizzle and Peabody asked to be released from their contracts early so they can leave and start their own school together as newlyweds, which is really key for uh, all the students involved. So finally the day of the wedding arrives um, and on their way kind of out of um room 306 to attend the ceremony Bruno and Boots slam the door behind them and that causes a heavy book to fall on the earthquake remote so basically there's like the earthquake machine is on for the entire ceremony so as the ceremony is happening the machine then basically the, the earthquake gets so bad that the house starts to crumble which is pretty insane and that causes the whistle balloon to inflate <laughs> and like sail over the ceremony as the house like falls down essentially um, but that part is fine because Wizzle like takes the balloon as a kind of tribute uh, for his special day instead of a, a prank. And uh, so they get happily married and the book ends um, with the fish calling Bruno and Boots to his office and telling them that there's now a new rule at McDonald Hall. There's no committees or coalitions or anything else like that allowed without staff supervision and approval. And that's how it ends. Now it's time for Crime Watch, when we talk about the various low-key crimes committed in the books. Crime Watch, Crime Watch, Crime Watch. That was intense. Yeah, I didn't love it. To be honest, I didn't love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, well, first of all, I think the earthquake thing is definitely some sort of crime. Uh, I don't know what crime specifically. seems like some sort, at minimum, it's harassment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. They also I'm... put it like have to go into his cottage to put the uh, machine true. in there, right? Yep, yep, that's true also. Seems like breaking and entering or something. Yeah, trespassing. Yeah. Trespassing, general mischief overall, I think <laughs> you could say. General mischief, yeah. They also uh there's the theft of the paper in Operation Shut Up, and I feel like there's some fraud. Like signing names, pretending to be certain people, like on the phone and all of that. I feel like it's probably a bit of a crime. Yeah, that makes sense. 
And then I don't, it's not technically a crime, I guess, but there's an ethical question yeah. about if it's okay that they basically trick these people into marrying each other. <laughs> there's a major ethical question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The whole love plot is definitely, has a, has an air of illegality. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they just pretend that they got engaged when they didn't. Yeah. But, you know, it what are seems you to do? have worked out for everyone. Yeah, yeah. They're happy, we presume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's all I had for Crime Watch. Did you have anything else? No, that was it. That was it? Now it's time for Sleeping with the Fishes, where we discuss the sturgeon's domestic life. Sleepy little fishies. Go to sleep, you fish. That's that it. was one of your best yet. Do you think? Oh, that's nice. It made me, it was very soothing. Oh, that's good. Um, okay, so in this book, I feel like their, their main relationship is, it's just like the fish either complaining to his wife about Wizzle or laughing about like Bruno and the boys giving Wizzle a hard time. And then his wife just like sympathizing with Wizzle, saying like, oh, <laughs> yeah. he's a young man. Don't be so hard on him. Or, oh, that doesn't sound nice. Like she's sort of less on the boy's side than she usually is. She like really is on Team Wizzle, I think. Yeah, agreed. I think she just likes to go defend whoever her husband is up against. So yeah. usually it's the boys. So she defends the boys. In this case, it's Wizzle. So she just defends the Wizzle. Mm-hmm. She just, like, wants the fish to be nice to people. <laughs> yeah, that's not. true. That's true. Or she just likes to play, like, not quite devil's advocate, but as you say, just sort of, like, take the side of whoever yeah. her husband's against. Yeah. And she, like, wants all the adults in the book, usually, to, like, get along. Right. I wrote she's, like, social director for the adults. Like, she's really mm -hmm. the only one instituting, like, these dinners and get-togethers, mm -hmm. which is, like, very nice because I would imagine living sort of in that little bubble, like, surrounded by so many kids. The few adults that are there, you'd think it would be good if they got along and, like, got to hang out a little bit with just adults. Right, but she never invites, like, the other teachers. So oh, like, no. Maybe she has a, <laughs> she's, like, very kind in terms of, like, wanting the adults to socialize, but it's, like, you have to have achieved a certain level of, like, seniority or status at the school. Like, Coach Flynn and Mr. Fudge are not getting invited. Oh, you think, if you think Fudge is... <laughs> Stepping foot in the Sturgeon's home, you got another thing coming. I'm sure Mrs. Sturgeon has never even met Mr. Fudge. No, definitely not. No. We also know, so we learned in a different book that they play Monopoly. In this book, we get a scene of them all playing Scrabble, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty good. Another super long game. They only play board games that take like four hours to play. Yeah, they got to learn some, some quicker games, especially for the fish's sake, since he hates everyone he plays with. Yeah. <laughs> And then yeah, we get all we get all the dinners and stuff with them. Um, so yeah, so so um, we get some good domestic life tidbits, I would say. Yeah, I really like uh, the scenes with the sturgeons in this book. Mm -hmm. I also like that the like clue that Wizzle's coming over is that there's like something terrible for dinner. <laughs> 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 Very That's good. Pretty good. Okay, now it's time for This Can't Be Happening at McDonald Hall in 2020, where we talk about how technolo today's technology would have changed things in the book. 
Should it be? Can it be? Might it be? Would it be? No, this can't be happening at McDonald Hall in 2020. That was cool. That was like a poem. <laughs> oh, these are getting harder and harder. No, I thought that was really good. Thanks. Um, so the in terms of this category, I feel like the most obvious thing is the Megatronic 515 is like is state it of the megatronic? art. Megatronic? I thought it was magnetronic. It is magnetronic. My uh, word processor here has oh. autocorrected. Ah, okay. I was just reading it. You are sorry. indeed correct. Okay, sorry. It sorry. also for for all my notes, it changed whistle to sizzle, and it was such a hassle <laughs> to change it back. That I just left it. So the fact that I haven't said sizzle once is actually very impressive. Wow, good job. But thanks, but yeah, you're right about this one. Okay, go on. Um, yeah, so the Magnetronic 515 is would obviously be very different. Yeah, if, and like its abilities would be very different in its uses. Um, so yeah. just like the way that Whistle is operating it, I guess, um, even with like the needing the computer paper to print stuff out, like that's right, right. not really done anymore. Also like the students to them, like having a computer in the school is like unthinkable and <laughs> something they would not want at all. Whereas like now, obviously they probably all have their own laptops for class and things like that. Yeah, that's true. So you remember, um... When we read Beware the Fish, we had told everybody that we had this like newer version because you got rid of our old version. Um, yeah. So at the end, you know, they have those like previews of like, read the first chapter from the next adventure with Bruno and Boots, The War with Mr. Yeah. Whistle. So I just like, I was like, oh, this will be interesting. I'll see like what's, what the new version looks like. So I just kind of like quickly skimmed two pages, but then I had to stop because I got so mad <laughs> because in the, what I gathered from like quickly looking at it was that the magnetronic, well, the thing about Whistle is that it's not a computer. It's like a new kind of software in the updated oh. version, which just seemed like such a crazy thing. Like I didn't understand how any of the stuff would then work in terms of, as you say, operation shut up. Like what do they like, give it a yeah. virus? Like I don't understand how any of that would work, but I didn't want to find out because it just seemed too crazy. And then I was like, I've been thinking about this for a long time now because I understand the like, impetus to update it and make it so that like it would kind of make sense to like a young audience but don't you think isn't there like some merit or what is the problem with a kid of today picking up a book that is set in the 80s and computers were different then <laughs> what is the problem why do we have to update it yeah that's a great point it there is no problem there's no problem especially when like the technology aspect is so central to the book that you would have to change, I feel like, so much to make it modern. Yeah, the whole book must be totally different. And yeah, I'm sure know. worse because yeah. of it. Yeah. So it's, anyway. It's just, yeah, that's a great point. I've I been sitting with that for a while. To, yeah. So I wonder, maybe if someone has a new version, they could tweet us like the big differences or how some of the key plot points Yeah, is it different. paper with Operation Shut Up? What is the deal? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in general, the idea that like the computer would be updated in theory in 2020 wouldn't perhaps change that much. It's just really the computer paper part of it. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that I thought would be different would be the committee could use instant messaging. So like in the book, the, they have like signals like Wilbur blows his nose at like a certain 
point on campus that's visible from all the dormitories and that's the signal to security um, to deal with stuff or to like assemble, I guess. Uh, but if they had instant messaging, they wouldn't need a signal. That's true. And they wouldn't all need to congregate in person and risk mm-hmm. getting caught after lights out and things. Right. I also think um, some of Wizzle's like modernizing talk, like if you wanted to bring a modern spin to the hall, you would have been talking about like STEM and coding and like changing the curriculum in those kinds mm-hmm. of ways. Just an idea. I don't know if that's actually true. That was my feeling. Yeah, that all sounds right. This one definitely more so than most books probably would be heavily changed if Mm -hmm. it was happening today. Yes, exactly. But again, can't emphasize enough. No need to modernize for a 2020 audience. Let us learn about computers from the 80s. Yeah, I hope you're listening, Gordon Corman's publishers. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Elmer Drinsdale Memorial Award segment, where we talk about the side characters of the book and we pick our favorite one. Na 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 na, na 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 na, Elmer Drinsdale Memorial Award. Oh, wonderful. Thank you very much. All right, I have a really important thing to say for this segment. Okay. And I really stuck it to you in the. Uh, rainbow pole segment (laughs) but now i have a major confession to make that i made a huge mistake in a previous episode (laughs) so i can't remember it was either in our first or our second episode in my head i mixed up perry elbert and pete anderson like i interchanged them in my head and i was saying to you like perry elbert is in war with mr wizzle and he has like a new characteristic uh-huh. that was different from the other ones. And you were like, oh, I can't picture it. And I was like, ha ha, guess I got one over on you, guy who loves side characters and thinks he knows the books really well. And I was very happy about it and pleased with myself. Anywho, <laughs> it turns out mm-hmm. the guy I was thinking of was Pete Anderson and Perry Elbert is not in this book. <laughs> oh, this is music to my ears. <laughs> uh, this, by the way, I think Asher will agree, rarely happens. <laughs> Never, which is why it's such a big deal. It's uh, very yeah. unusual for me to be on, on the correct side of these things. I'm pretty happy for you. As much as I'm embarrassed for me, I'm happy for you. Um, I appreciate that. And then, note that I never texted you during us reading this book saying, where's Perry? Well, that's because you definitely forgot. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway... That is the first and most important thing I wanted to say about the side characters. That is very important. Yeah. Sorry, we're getting some uh, uh, alerts, but we do not edit this podcast. Um, So we're all good. We'll keep going. Sorry if you heard some (laughs) random noises. So what else do you have to say about the side characters? Um. Probably the best use of the side characters so far. In fact, I'd say definitely mm-hmm. of the books we've covered so far. Uh, just the nature of having a committee means that they're all like together doing stuff quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so I really liked it. Um, I have my favorite. I'd also, before I mention it, would just like to say that another side character that I think gets honorable mention in this book 
is Mrs. Davis, the secretary. Oh, yes. I really like how much she hates Wizzle and the computer. <laughs> and she's just like constantly complaining to the fish. Um, she She's in the, the some of the other books and is always like pretty pretty good with the one-liners from time to time usually um, her only her only role is like when bruno and boots come in and she like smiles sympathetically at them. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> she gets a bit more to do in this book and i think yeah. she's very funny yeah and that's another thing we learn about the uh old computers that's very loud yeah it's not something right. we think about computers being these days true except when they emit random alerts while you're trying to record a podcast <laughs> seriously so who's your so who's you- your number one so my number one favorite side character in this book it was tough i definitely had a tough time deciding but Mm -hmm. i think i need to go with wilbur hacken (laughs) of course wilbur hackenschleimer to his friends but not to to whistle not to the 515 Um, no i thought like that bit with the hacken was very funny i also think he's like very instrumental in a lot of what's mm. going on. He's like the head of the security department. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it uh, in the previous segment, but I think like the funniest thing in the book is how he like <laughs> walks to a, a central point on campus and blows his nose really loud. Yeah. So that like all the, it's like the alert that something's happening. Doesn't Wizzle at some point say like, and what's with Hacken always blowing his nose? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he does it's so funny yeah um so for like that that was enough to get wilbur over the top for me Mm. i think he's he's very helpful he's uh sort of often in the books the other books he's like a little bit grumpy about having to do stuff here he's like he's more agreeable and more willing to do it without putting up as much of a fight i think Mm. he relishes his role as like chief of security is like yeah, yeah. giving him some purpose on campus there. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I, Wilbur's my pick. How about you? Yeah, that's a great pick. He also is like the whole restaurant thing. He's like really in his element. Oh, like, that's true. Yeah. Just like really telling them how it's, how it's going to be. <laughs> just good. Yeah. That's a really great pick. Um, nice. Wilbur, I think this is definitely Wilbur's best book. But for me, my Elmer Drimsdale Memorial Award goes to Kathy. Uh-huh. I just think she has, like, so much spirit in this book. She has, like, she's just generally hilarious. And, again, her schemes don't always make sense. But, like, the effort involved in everything that she does is great. And I love how she just, like, leads the girls in the parade and the uh, war games just to, like, like she's just so motivated to even get twenty four hours away <laughs> from Peabody, yeah. so I don't know. I just really love Kathy in this book. Yeah, Kathy is great, and the War Games chapter is like one of the best chapters mm-hmm. of any of the Bruno and Boots books. I think it, and Kathy's obviously leading. It's like kind of from her perspective that yeah, that chapter. It's really well written and pretty exciting actually, and. Kathy, yeah, Kathy's great and probably in the best shape of her life by the end of this book. Very true, which may help out when she plays a central role in a different book Uh involving Uh athleticism. (laughs) Okay, time for our next segment. This is Room 306, where we ask a couple of dumb questions to each other. Make way, make way. Room coming through. Who is that guy? Room 306. Ah, 
Okay. It made more sense in my head. Yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be <laughs> thinking about that one for a while. <laughs> Maybe if you can picture them wearing I don't know, hats perhaps, that might help. <laughs> how, how would that help? <laughs> Wait, how would that help? Well, because then you'd be more focused on the hats. Who is wearing hats? <laughs> that was like three different people, I think. Uh-huh. All wearing hats. <laughs> <laughs> and they're and they're in a crowd because they have to people have to make They're play. in a crowd. They're in a crowd trying to get people out of the way. And one of them is of, named Room 306. See, when I started to say it, I think I meant to say make room. But then uh. I said make way. <laughs> in my head I was saying make room, which makes uh. it slightly more yeah. Uh, no, even it still doesn't help much, but it helps would help a little bit. Yeah. Usually so I how, sort of like can see what you're saying, even if it doesn't like make a lot of sense. This time I had yeah. absolutely no idea no, what you were saying. In my head it was like make room. Yeah. And then three oh six was right. the guy they were making room for. And I how think. would the hats help again? Because they have hats. Okay. That's the main part. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to move so, on, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I've already, yes. I've yeah, taken off good. my hat. Yeah. <laughs> if we okay. ever did merch, if we ever were, like, legally allowed to do merch, we would have to make hats that said Room, room 306. Oh, 100%. And then on the back of them, they would say, Make Way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. For my birthday, I beg of you. I'll have to do it. We'll sell, yeah, we'll sell a select few. Um. <laughs> if you're interested, let us know. If we get enough interest, we'll we'll run a small batch. Yeah, I think, do we have to get permission from Scholastic or whoever owns the, I guess Room 306 could be. You can't copyright You can't, that. Gordon Corman, you can't copyright Room 306. Send your lawyers after us, Gordon, see what happens. Well, don't. Please don't. We, no, don't. We don't want that. Don't we like that. you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's my first question for you. Okay. When and why do you think Wizzle became a vegetarian? Oh, that's a great question. I think that he probably took some sort of test on his computer, mm. like one of those tests he gives the students, and the readout from it was probably lists a few tips and one of them was probably your lifestyle is such that you would be better served as a vegetarian ah very good so it was the 515 i think the 515 told him to do it so it's kind of a recent thing then yeah i think probably as he was like getting out of uh, his post-secondary education mm. I like that. I kind of think yeah. him being a vegetarian is like one of his more endearing traits. It's like such an interesting it's, aspect of him. Yeah, it is nice. It's like the only trait of his that isn't super obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he was, yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, great question. Thank you. Uh, I'll ask you one now if you like. No, okay. <laughs> 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 so you know how the 
there's that uh, kind of montage where the boys are one by one rejoining the committee because of certain like punishments or things mm-hmm. Wizzle's done to them. Mm-hmm. So of of that group of boys, which punishment do you think was the worst that made the boy uh, want to join the committee again? Holy moly. Well, I think the hacking thing is pretty rough. Hacking's bad. As Wilbur was saying, it's, you know, his family name. So (laughs) (laughs) it's tough to have it just shortened because of the computer program can't handle that amount of letters. Um, But also I feel like Sydney having to go to scrimmages and take a dance class and being the only guy in the class and also being a clumsy person that is very rough and obviously it doesn't end well um for sydney in like a predictable way that like he even saw coming you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so that's yeah. kind of heartbreaking also when he's just like you idiots like obviously i can't go to a ballet class i can't even put on a tie without literally breaking <laughs> something from the ceiling onto my head so i guess it would probably be one of those two yeah that's fair those are good responses the one that like really stuck with me was Chris's one where he just like isn't allowed to do what he loves to do anymore. Like yeah. his art supplies are taken from him and he can't be in any art classes. Yeah. Like I understand the class thing a bit more, but it would still suck. Right. But then like you can't just take a boy's art supplies away. It's like his, his free time. He, he's allowed to paint yeah. in his free time. Yeah. And he's like a prodigy, it seems like. Right. Based on all of his great work with the balloon and such. Um, <laughs> That's but true. Uh, yeah, all are, all are pretty bad. Definitely yeah. doesn't, it definitely helps you not feel bad for Wizzle when bad things are happening to him. That's definitely true. It's sort of like in some places you can kind of empathize with Wizzle, like he's doing his best and like the boys just really like and turned on him from the beginning. But yeah. Uh, yeah, in those moments when it's just like, he just kind of seems cruel, I guess. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, for my next question, I have uh, really the classic would you rather of the Bruner and Boots universe, which okay. is would you rather be a student at McDonald Hall under Wizzle or at Miss Scrimmage's under Peabody? My exact second question no. as well, <laughs> but I guess it's a fairly obvious one, so that's reasonable. So we'll just answer it together, I suppose. Okay. That's fair. Not like together, together. We'll each speak <laughs> separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that is a good question. I think that... I think I would prefer Miss Peabody. Mm-hmm. Because even though it sounds like a bit tougher day-to-day, at least you're kind of like getting more out of it. Like you'd be in really good shape. you right, right. learn like excellent discipline. And it would kind of just become, eventually, like, you get used to it. And if you just kind of follow her, you're, like, ne- wouldn't really get in trouble or, like, bad things wouldn't, it wouldn't be too rough, I think. Mm-hmm. You could sort of get into the routine. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, as I said, like, you'd get more out of it. With Wizzle, there's, like, so many arbitrary, terrible rules. <laughs> and it, like, really changes, like, all the boys, like, that we just talked in the previous question, like, their normal way they live their life is sort of changed through no fault of their own. Right. So I think I would prefer Peabody. 
How about yeah. yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also Peabody. I mean, like, I'd rather run laps than write lines. As you said, you get something out of it. Uh, the war games seem super fun. You learn yeah. a new skill with the parading. Obviously, the march is terrible. That would not be good. Yeah. But, like, aside from that, it doesn't seem as bad and arbitrary as Wizzle. But the thing is, I would like to be a part of the committee. Obviously not in the lines yeah. department, but the committee seems so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, oh, that's the only thing. That. So, like, if the if it could be a coalition from the start, then Miss Peabody's for sure. Uh, or Miss Scrimmage's, I mean, for sure. But, yeah, that's the only thing. But otherwise, I think, yeah, Wizzle is so much worse than Peabody. Yeah. All right, report card time when we grade the book. What's that on your hat? It says, <laughs> report card, make way. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, so, as you know, I'm the boring one that is just stuck to the a grading method you'd get in school from A to F. So my grade for the war with Mr. Wizzle is A+. Whoa! <laughs> this gets an A+. Plus. Put it on the dean's list. Wow. So it is, it's the first cl classic, in my opinion, of the mm -hmm. Gordon Corman oeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure I'm pronouncing exactly correct. Nailed it. <laughs> um, but really, I think it's like we did our best to do it justice in the plot summary, but the like best parts of it are sort of like the smaller moments, I feel. So I really encourage you to read it and read the like original version. Don't read the updated version. No, no, no. Um, but I think it's like got really good plot, um, lots of different things happening that kind of come to a head like when they need to and just really smart plot really the characters are all like at the top of their game and all kind of get something to do like even the side characters they have a lot of momentum going I guess and it's just super funny like some really good one-liners some really good like crowd scenes where everyone's talking and there's funny stuff happening mm -hmm. and just like a pleasure to read really like I've read <laughs> this this is one of my most um, repeat re reads for me yeah. of all the Gordon Corman books. Yeah. Um, and I, I really can't find too much fault with it. I think it's like paced very well. A lot happens. It's like pretty dense plot, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's really funny and really good. So a plus for me. Great. Well said. Well said. Yeah. I think this is my most reread of all of them. Um, I just couldn't get enough whistle when I was growing up. <laughs> so uh, you're not going to like this, but my grading system today is the Von Trapp children rating scale, <laughs> with uh, Gretel at age five being the lowest possible grade. And is she the worst, or is that just... No, this is an order of age. It's an order of age. Okay. Gotcha. Um, because obviously Marta is the worst. <laughs> so <laughs> Greta, age five, the lowest. Liesel, age 16, going on 17, the highest possible. Can you name any of the other Von Trapp children for us? Very few, but let's, I feel there like There are I seven know. total. Okay. Let's, I re okay, I really don't know the sound of music. I don't think I've ever sat through the full thing. 
but I believe Frederick is one. Friedrich. Friedrich. Second oldest. Okay. There's one other boy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what is his name? Starts with a K. I don't know. Within, with a what? K. Starts with a K. Oh. Oh, really? <laughs> that means I definitely don't know it. Kurt. <laughs> All right, I'll, oh, give you, Kurt. I'll give you them in order. Okay. So, Gretel, Marta, Brigitta, Kurt, Louisa, Friedrich, Liesel. Oh, I wouldn't have got any of those. The only ones I had a chance of was, I knew Liesel, but you said it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Friedrich, well, I was close with that. Which one is aloof? I remember. That was the first time I heard the word aloof. Aloof? I don't think any of them well, are aloof. One of them's incorrigible. One, Kurt is incorrigible. Incorrigible, I mean. I think, uh, oh, I remember, like, Julie Andrews speaking of one of the boys as aloof. Oh, interesting. I could have That's probably Friedrich. That. It's probably Friedrich. Okay. That was, I remember, the first time I heard the word aloof. <laughs> All right, well, stay tuned, I, uh, stay tuned for our spinoff uh, Sound of Music podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, um, so on the Von Trapp family rating scale, I am giving The War with Mr. Wizzle a Friedrich, so second highest. Very nice. Um, I think you really, you summed it up well. The schemes are hilarious. Um, the crowd scenes are amazing. Both Peabody and Wizzle are like really great villains, I think. We'll put mm-hmm. villains in quotation marks, but they're great like obstacles for the kids um we get such hilarious stuff coming from scrimmages which we don't always get uh the side characters are super involved and super funny as you said i'd say the only thing keeping it from a liesel for me is the ending is kind of like a little unbelievable a little unethical and like a little rushed like it all just like happens really fast yeah it is very rushed that's true Um, from them getting engaged to getting married is like Four One pages. Page. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's so fast. Um, but otherwise, yeah, otherwise it's, I think, flawless. It's just so good. Okay, now it's time for Our Man Corman, where we tweet Gordon Corman live on the air. This land is your man. This land is Corman. That was That's pretty it. good. Yeah, I like that. Thanks. Um, I have a lot of songs today. Yeah, we did have a lot of songs. Um, Isn't a bad thing. It's well, it kind of is a bad thing because neither of us can sing. But oh, you know, true. <laughs> <laughs> there's pros and cons, I guess. Um, so last last episode, we um, tweeted Gordon Corman asking him what instrument he would play in the band, and mm-hmm. he tweeted back a very hilarious reply. As the son of a former first cornet in the Canadian Grenadier, is that how you say that? Grenadier? Guards? Yeah, sounds good. Sure. I'm partial to the vacuum cleaner hose, but for sheer volume, you can't beat the garbage can lids. So good. Really good response. So good. Um, so today, oh no, my phone just locked. Today we uh, have, no, I got it. We've, um decided to ask him the classic Would You Rather that we asked each other. Uh, so we've written, hey, at Gordon Corman, recording our socially distant Wizzle ep. We want to know, would you rather be a student at the hall under Wizzle or at scrimmages under Peabody? Hashtag balloon juice. Okay. Beautiful. I'm going to send it. Send it. I have sent it. But actually, the hashtag made me think of another Would You Rather specifically for you, which is would oh. you... 
Which do you think is a worse saying, hot gazoobies or balloon juice? <laughs> Definitely hot gazoobies. <laughs> Nothing is worse than that. It it's not even it's, easy to say. It's like no. such a mouthful. And it's, oh, don't even get me started on hot and gazoobies. Why, why does it have to be hot? It's so bad. And the thing about balloon juice is like, it also doesn't make any sense. But at least, like, we haven't met Peabody before. So yeah, it like, didn't she, come out of As nowhere. far as we know, yeah. she says that. That could be a thing. Nope, it could yeah. reference something in her life. We don't know. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let me also just say that we encourage our those that are following us on Twitter to let us know uh, what how you would answer that question. So if you yeah. prefer Peabody or Wizzle, and also just generally your thoughts on the book and the pod and all that yeah. stuff. Remember, we are at Zucchini War Pod. And uh, we are now up on Apple Podcasts, so that's great news. So please rate and review us and tell all your friends and um, share this on all your platforms so that our audience can continue to grow. Yeah, and maybe pretend like you're doing the segment we do called Report Card and your rating scale is one to five stars and always give five stars is my suggestion. Correct. And then you could be just like us. Yeah, that's true. Don't you want to be just like us? <laughs> um, and if you want to just message me privately about rating us on a Von Trapp family scale, you can do that also. Asher won't know what it means, but I will. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for listening, everybody. We're glad to be back. And remember... Beware the the fish. fish. Wow, it's hard to do that on Zoom. (laughs) Impossible. For some reason, the audio like cut out as we were doing that. Oh, gosh. All right. Such bad timing. Yeah. Beware the fish, everybody. Yeah, everyone beware the fish.